0: you're listening to the paradox church podcast paradox church is a jesus-centered community where our motto is come as you are no perfect people allowed for more information about our service times location and to get connected with us please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com we hope you enjoy this message
1: at church family? How are you? If you could understand me, I'm glad that you're responding. How are we? Good? Good. Welcome to everybody online. I want to give a very, very special welcome today to the kids. Journey kids, where are you at? Woo! Listen, kids, we're thankful that you are here with us this morning. We're really, really glad. And, um, Just even last week, oh man, I get emotional uh, sometimes, and I'm feeling emotional this morning. This is another edition of Dave Unplugged, uh, apparently, (laughs) but uh, you know, we don't do kids ministry here. We don't do Journey Kids Program um, because kids are a distraction that we want to remove from our, our service. No, no, we do Journey Kids Ministry here at Paradox because we love you guys, we love you, kids, and we believe in you. We believe that you are the next generation, and you're here with us, and we're so glad and thankful that you're here with us. You bring so much that we need. We need, your, we need your joy, and we need your questions. Oh, yes, all the glorious questions, and your energy this morning. We really, really need those things, and so we're thankful that you're a part of that here today. Parents, all right? I want to talk with you for a second, especially if you're a parent uh, watching online and You're 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 feeling nervous about coming here with the kids. We love kids here at Paradox. We're thankful for them. And if if you're worried this morning that your kids are going to be on the ground as mine are right now, uh, if they're going to scream out or something, I want to I want you to feel the freedom of this this morning. That's okay. Okay, it's all right especially at the end of of 2020, I think that we all can draw on a little bit of grace uh, for for everyone else around us because we're all struggling right now. We all need community. It's so good to be here. I'm feeling that in ways that I haven't even ever before, just how good it is to be here. And no matter what age you are, you need people. We're better together. And so it's okay. If your kids are a little bit rambunctious, we all feel that way a little bit sometimes. We've got awesome busy bags for them. Uh, if they scream out, hey, that's all right. There's grace. Sometimes you just need to let out a primal scream uh, in life. Maybe that's a really healthy thing uh, for us. All right. Do you guys want to do a primal scream right now? Let's just let it out right now. Bring your prim- best primal scream. Everybody. No, come on. Let's be a little bit kid-like. It's good. If you're at home, let's do your best primal scream. Just let out that, all of that angsty stuff right now, all right? Because we're going to have some fun here today. It's good. Uh, If you need to step out, we've got the the, the, the park, the playground open. You can watch the service out there. This is a place of grace, all right? Uh, And we want you to know that you, no matter what age you are, can come as you are. There's no perfect people allowed. There are no perfect parents allowed. So we're all struggling. And I'm going to ask all of us to have, oh, just a little bit of grace, especially for the parents in the room that are doing their best. All right? So uh, we're glad and we're thankful to be together this morning. Uh, I'm going to talk about something uh, here as we finish up this Indivisible series. Uh, With the end of that pledge, Last week we talked about with liberty and we talked about our freedoms and our rights and the rest of that is a song that I was actually hoping that we could do, Metallica and Justice for All. Uh, we, we weren't able to pull that off uh, today, but glad for, for Liz and Phil leading us in worship. We're going to talk about this word though, justice, all right? Uh, as we got into 2020, I, I bet you uh, that very few of us would have said that a, a year-defining word would be justice. It would be one of those ones that you almost couldn't get away from. Every day, every front page on your newsfeed, there are issues and, and questions of justice. And maybe you felt a little bit like me uh, at some times where, uh, where, where you're sitting there going, I know everybody's talking about this, but I don't exactly know what this is. What are we really talking about? What is Justice. What is injustice, on the other hand, and how do we go about all of that? And what does the Bible have to say about that? What is God's perspective on justice? These are some of the questions that I've been asking and wrestling with as 2020 has unfolded. What does it really look like for us? Especially because this word seems to bring so much division. And I I think that that's the opposite That's the opposite of what justice is intended to do. Uh, I have learned almost everything that I know about the justice system from, number one, Dateline NBC, and number two, Judge Judy. Judge Judy, that woman knows some justice. And what she's always going after is is she, she will look at the plaintiff and the defendant and say, I want to make things whole again. And that right there Is the heart of justice. It is a desire to restore, to put back together, to make things whole, to address things that are wrong and make them right again. Every single person here would agree that there is a problem in the world. There are problems in the world. Sometimes we look around at our family or our church and say, yes, they are sitting around us. There are problems. This is a broken place. We all agree on that. And one of the things that will happen is we look around at the brokenness of the world, the injustice of the world, and we say, how could there be a God? How could a good God allow this or that? Therefore, we start talking about the existence of God because of the existence of injustice and questioning whether or not God could exist. Today, I want to start with this. The existence of injustice is actually the evidence of justice. The existence of injustice is the evidence of justice. That's a weird sentence to say, so I'm going to explain it. Here's what I mean by that. If you look around the world, as all of us do, if, if you're watching online, if you know someone, maybe you're watching later on in the week, you would never go to a church because of this very reason injustice in the world good we have some common ground we have a starting point then because if you if you look around and you notice that there's injustice that is proof positive of something called justice that there is an ideal out there there is a way that things are meant to be really and truly if you want to get rid of injustice in the world you know what the best way to do that would be stop talking about justice stop believing in justice Just like, you know what, there's no no way that things are meant to be. Then everything just is. No, none of us, like there's something even saying that, that reacts against that statement inside of us because we know that there's a right and a wrong. We know there's a way things are supposed to be. And when that doesn't happen, it breaks our heart. We go, no, that's not right. Justice wasn't served. That shouldn't have happened. It's not the way that things were meant to be. If you can imagine growing up without light, in complete and utter darkness, right? Just having absolutely no idea that such a thing existed. You would not look around and question the dark. It would simply be what is. But because we have seen light, because we know there is something else available, we look around at times and we go, man, look at the darkness, Look at the brokenness. The very existence, the thought inside of our heart that goes, things aren't right, there's a problem, drives us to say, things aren't the way that they are meant to be. So we can't have this conversation as many try to do, apart from the God conversation. It's very much intertwined with justice. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. I want to, I want to say it a little bit differently. Injustice anywhere is the proof of justice somewhere. There is something that exists out there that is the way that things were meant to be. All of us have dreams for the world. Every organization, everyone fighting for justice in the world would say this is the way things are supposed to be. They follow a, a, a storyline of the world, of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Creation being original design the way things are supposed to be. But then there's a fall. And by the way, this is the story that scripture gives us, the story of history, God's history, his story with us. God creates the heavens and the earth and everyone in it, and his will is always done, and things are perfect. It's heaven on earth. But there's a fall. Pride comes in. Desire for for fulfillment outside of God comes in, and suddenly the world starts to unravel. A problem happens. And from that very moment on, Jesus is always in God's mind. God starts working a plan to redeem, to put things back together, to make things right again, and he does it in Jesus The the final blow is delivered in Jesus and now we live in light of Jesus looking forward to the day when he will return and restore all things to the way that they were meant to be. Every single good story has these elements. This is the way things were supposed to be. Here's the problem. Here is what has been done or we are doing to fix it and someday this is what we want to be true again. That, my friends is justice. It's the story, it's identifying what is the problem, but that often is the problem. We struggle to identify the problem because we don't agree on who gets to define the problem and who gets to define the solution. So what was intended to bring people together and unify as we heal and restore actually ends up creating some division. Existence of injustice is the evidence of justice and as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we define justice not by a party, not by principles, but by a person. There are some that would, that would say justice is a political issue, It's a social issue. No, as followers of Jesus, we say justice is a spiritual issue, and we don't get to define what the problems are or what the solutions are. That lies outside of us. It lies outside of any political party or platform or philosophy or organization. Our view of justice ultimately goes to a person outside of us. That's what's called objective. Subject is is subject to me. My preferences, my experiences, which is what many are basing everything on, our entire belief system, based on experience, lived experience. We say, no, no, there is objectivity outside of us. Granted, we have to sometimes acknowledge where we stand in history, that we are subjective people as we pursue God's objectivity, but. We define justice not by our own feelings, not by our observations, not by our political leanings. We define justice by a person being God. Justice is who God is. It's what God does. It's so ingrained in his nature that everything and anything that God does is justice. God defines justice. It's almost like he writes the dictionary and under justice, it would say, look at me. Have you ever heard that, right? Like there's, there's a picture of you next to, I don't know what you've heard in the past, but if you go to justice in the dictionary, there should be a picture of Jesus Christ. It's who God is. It's his character. And we don't look at different element, different activities of something. Let's say, for example, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the woods. I'm deer hunting There are certain things that deer do. That's who they are. It's just in their nature. They're skittish. When a deer doesn't do something the way they're supposed to do it, or I think they're supposed to do it, I don't look at that animal and go, that's not a deer. How could that thing be a deer? No, no, no. I look at that and I go, man, maybe I don't understand something about this deer. Maybe there's something I don't understand about deer. So we don't look at our idea of justice and go, God's not just. No, we look at God who is just and go, maybe there's something I don't understand about this action or lack of action. Because God is just. Where do you get that from, Dave? Well, in Deuteronomy 32, way going way back, thousands upon thousands of years, in some of the very beginnings of our humanity's relationship with and understanding of God in verse 4, it says, the rock, and this is, not, this is before Dwayne Johnson, so we can be pretty sure, this is, this is God, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. Everything he does is justice, faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. God is justice. What is justice? What God does. There's, there's no separation between these two. There can't be, well, I'm, I want to pursue justice, but I don't really care about all this God stuff. No, no, God is justice. And if you want to pursue justice, you have to pursue God. And if you're pursuing God, you should be pursuing justice. These two things cannot be separated. Going back even further to the book of Genesis. Genesis is a book that means beginnings. This is the beginning of time, the intention of God when he created everyone and everything in chapter 1, verse 27, says, So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God creates us, like himself. We are made in his image, which means not that we physically look like God, but we resemble him. We have something of his character, of who he is. And a big part of this is justice. Verse 28, have authority, subdue, dominion. Make sure this world is operating the way that I created it to. God creates us in his image to have a heart for justice and then gives us the role and the responsibility of seeing that it happens on earth. That is what's given to us at the beginning of time, in creation, from our very first day on the job. Our job is justice, to represent him, to be his image bearers on the earth. In the same way that if we want to know what justice looks like, we should look at God If a watching world wants to know what God is like, they should be able to look at us, His image bearers, those that are representing His heart here in the world. Ephesians chapter 5, we've been going through this book of Ephesians together over the last several weeks, and this is exactly what uh, the book of Ephesians kind of reiterates, starting in chapter 5 when it says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We are called to be imitators of God. If God acts justly and we look at God and we are supposed to imitate him, then it would follow that we are called to act justly because we imitate him, what he does, what and who he values, the things he cares about, the, the, his perspective on pain problems, issues, people. Our hearts should break for the things that break His. We should be caring about and living for the things that Jesus cares about and lived for. We should be working towards the goals that God is working towards. We are called to be imitators of God in all of His ways. Let me say this. A lot of times there, there's this division that comes in because we talk about justice and we talk about God over here, but you can't pursue Jesus without pursuing justice. They're, they're inextricably linked together. Some of us would say, "Oh no, I'll, 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 I'll care. I, I care. I want justice to happen in the world. But Micah 6.8, listen to what it says. This is a very, very uh, famous verse of the Bible. Um, It says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God. Listen, many times we end up treating things like this as a nice add-on. Even maybe even the thought is coming up in your mind, oh, are you saying that I'm not a Christian if no 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 I'm not saying that at all. The defining part of our relationship with God, our standing before God, is Jesus and his finished work on the cross. Jesus is justice served. There was a fall, a brokenness on us. Jesus steps in, takes that punishment, and makes everything, including and especially our standing before God, right again. Justice served. But now as a response out of that, God says, what what do I require of you? It's not an add-on. If you love me, if you are called to look like me, then love justice, kindness, do what's right, do good, pursue mercy. That's who I am, and if you love me, if you want to follow after me, these are the things that we should be following after as well. There's, this, there's almost a scathing passage in the book of Isaiah. And I want to just share a couple of sections from you. And I love the way that the message version writes it. It's it's not an exact translation, but it's meant to kind of bring out the heart of so much of what is being said. Uh, And I just want to read a little bit of this for you. It's in Isaiah chapter 1. Because sometimes we, we do, we see that there's a problem. And and we want to go, oh, man, I just want to love Jesus. I just want to be here. I just want to worship him. I'm going to go after him more. I'm going to love God more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to keep on trying to do the right thing. Well, God says, let me tell you what the right thing looks like. It doesn't mean simply coming to church all the time. In worship. Why this frenzy of sacrifices, God's asking. Don't you think I've had my fill? of burnt sacrifices, rams and plump grain-fed calves. Don't you think I've had my fill of blood from bulls, lambs and goats? God's addressing this, this idea out there that God just wants more stuff from us. Saying, no, no, I don't want more from you. What do I want? It says, quit your worship charades in verse 13. I can't stand your trivial religious games, monthly conferences, weekly Sabbaths, special meetings, 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 meetings. I can't stand one more. You think that God doesn't understand your heart. He's with you. Meetings. No. Following God isn't about going to meetings for the sake of meetings. Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out. I'm sick of your religion, 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 while you go right on sinning. When you put on your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way. No matter how long or loud or often you pray, Won't be listening. And do you know why? Because you've been tearing people to pieces. Your hands are bloody. Go home. Wash up. Clean up your act. Sweep your lives clean of your evil doings so I don't have to look at them any longer. Say no to wrong. Learn to do what is good. And here's the part work for justice. Help the down and out. Stand up for the homeless. Go to bat. For the defenseless. Is God interested in us, in a personal relationship that maybe you've heard about so many times? Yes. He is interested in a personal relationship with us. He wants our worship, our love, our prayer, our adoration, and that should lead somewhere. God's saying, don't just stop with me. There's people out there that I want those same things with. That's what justice is. There's a world that I created, that I love, that I value that I sent my son for, to restore the relationship. And I want you to be a part of that. Why? Because God brings justice in partnership with people. It's what he invites us into. When we are in a relationship with him, what it looks like in so many ways is pursuing justice here on the earth. Going back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, it says, "'Let no one deceive you with empty words.'" Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. We can pay lip service to God all day long, but at the end of the day, if we don't fill those words with action, they're empty words. That God looks at and says, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't deceive yourselves, don't have empty words. Likewise, don't listen to people that are only saying things and not doing them. You know, people buy their fruit. Deceive yourselves with empty words. God brings justice in partnership with people. So, how do we partner with God? What is our part in restoring the world to the way that it was? Bringing justice here on earth for all, for everybody. Well, um, it's been said many, many times before over the course of 2020 uh, that we need to do our part. Partners, that's what partners do. It's in the word. Partner by doing your part. Each of us has a part to play. None of us can accomplish the whole thing on our own, and we can only accomplish the thing at all when we all do our part. Without any one of us, a part is missing. Partners do their part. So I want to spell out what it looks like to play your part, to do your part for you, all right? This is a, these are the kinds of things that just bring me joy, all right? So how do you play your part in bringing justice here on earth? Well, that starts with P, and it is pleasing the Lord, pleasing the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10 puts it this way. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Again, in verse 18, it says, don't get drunk with wine, For that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So we can fill ourselves up with two different things, right? We can fill ourselves up with wine, and then you act a certain way. Okay? Some of us act happy. Others act sleepy. Uh, Okay? (laughs) When you fill up on this, something comes out. That's what he's saying. Now, if you want to follow God, you fill up on something else. You fill up on the Holy Spirit, and out comes justice. What you fill up with is going to come out. That's when it says, discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So many of us live our lives just trying to go, man, what what would feel good? What do I want? What about me? Where am I going? What should I be doing? What would be pleasing for me? Man, you know what would feel good? I'm going to fill up with this. God is saying, you know, discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Fill up with that, because out of that is going to come actual life, actual joy, actual happiness, and you're actually going to make a difference in the world. I was I was thinking this week that love, right? Do you remember? Maybe maybe you've pursued a relationship with somebody before. Do You remember what it was like to, to love them and pursue their love. In so many ways, it is figuring out what is important to them. What do they care about? How can I win their heart, so to speak? Discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. This is one of the ways that we love God is go, man, God, what do you care about? What do you, I want to love you by figuring out your heart, pursuing your heart. And if this is what you care about, then I want to pursue your heart and love you by going after the things that are important to you, by pleasing you. That's what it means to please the Lord. Again, this is not about our identity. This is not about our standing with God. But because we love God, the Bible says that we love God because he first loved us. So this isn't earning his love it's pursuing his heart, and there's a difference. There's a difference between those two things. We want to live out of gratitude by pursuing his heart in a loving relationship. And P is also not for pretend. It's not for pretend. I don't speak so much. I don't know what's real, what's pretend, but out there on social media, you have a hard time believing. That everyone cares so deeply about everything that they post. I will be the first one to say, "I can't care about all that. I can't like my heart just can't take it. It's too much, It's too heavy. I cannot care about all these things. And if I don't actually care, because I can't actually care, what am I trying to do out there? What a- <laughs> Mike is listening live while watching live, apparently. <laughs> I thought that maybe at first he was like listening to some sort of uh, some gif or something like that. I don't know what was, what was going on out there. But, all right, listen, we f- when we fill up with something, it's going to make its way out, right? It's going to make its way out, and what you're full of is going to come out. And if you don't actually care, it's going to be hard to look like you care. You might be able to pretend for a little bit. You might be able to fool some people. But pretty soon you're gonna get snuffed out. People figure that out. Authenticity, transparency, it's very easy to know what someone's actually about because you look at their life and you see it. When we make our lives, man, I just wanna fill up with you, God. I wanna pursue the things that are important to you. I wanna please you. I don't wanna pretend. That is the starting point of pursuing justice because what we fill up with is going to come out. We wanna discern what is pleasing to the Lord. If you feel like today you don't actually care, listen, that's okay. A very great first step in actually caring is admitting the places where you really don't. This is called repentance. Confession that leads to repentance. God, I don't care about the things that you care about. I'm sorry. I know that you love me still. I know that you are calling me to care more and experience more life. Would you show me the ways that I can do that? You ask God. Scripture says, and if anyone needs that wisdom, ask God for it. He's faithful to provide. We can go to God and say, God, I, I feel convicted. I don't care about the things on your heart. Would you Would you? I give that to you? Would you show me the things that are important to you? You can ask God for it. You can listen to the voices of people that are suffering. Now I, I want to say that. That's important. Listen to the voices of the people who are suffering who are experiencing injustice. There's a whole lot of voices out there from people that aren't suffering. We're to speak on behalf of somebody else. We don't get to speak on behalf of somebody else. We, we can't share lived experience when we haven't lived it. It's not lived experience that way. When we go to people who are actually experiencing something and we say what is the problem? What is on your heart? How are you suffering? How could we help? Then we could start to get somewhere. Then we actually start to maybe care because it's not just an idea, it's embodied now. We can ask, we can listen. We can read about things. Sure, we can increase our exposure to people and places where there is suffering in the world. I guarantee all you have to do, Mike mentioned Central Detroit Christian. It's a great organization. We love them and the work that they're doing down there. Go there. Spend some time. We just went down there. And it's amazing how experiencing something together, seeing it with your own eyes, leads you to care more about what's going on there. Many people have gone on mission trips before. Something crazy happens. You go to Haiti and you come back with a heart for Haiti. You see it. You love those people. You love what's going on down there. You actually care in a way that you didn't before. It wakes up our heart. And that's exactly what Ephesians 5, verse 11 to 14, calls us to do. The A is awaken. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper. If 2020 was anything, we, we talk about, man, everything's being shaken right now. There's this shaking. And you want, to, you, you want to know one of the ways that you wake up? I remember my dad used to come into my bedroom when I was sleeping and shake the bed. It was irritating, but it worked. He would flip on the light. Oh my gosh, I, I couldn't stay asleep when the bed was shaking and the light was being flipped God, our good Father, is allowing some shaking in our world. He's flipping on the light to expose the darkness and wake us up. The church in America, for a long time, has been sleeping to the things that really matter. Meanwhile, we go about our religious stuff, and it's time to wake up. It's time for me to wake up to what's actually going on in the world, to the things that God is doing. It's time to wake up and get out there and live. Instead of sitting in here, I'm, I'm sorry, like sitting in here in the dark. It's dark. It's dark in here. It's dark out there. How is God flipping on the light? How is he exposing the works of darkness? How is he shaking things up to wake us up to the things that we should be pursuing and living I think one of the ways that we expose the works of darkness is by living it out. When anything becomes light, it says, it exposes the darkness. Have you ever noticed that you, you, know, you notice different things when you watch uh, movies, for example, with different people? Sometimes I'll watch a movie uh, with, with my parents or with my children in the room, and suddenly you become very aware Of the things that are in that movie. Are you with me? Okay, they're here. You you become very aware. You're like, oh my gosh, right? Why? Because the presence of light makes, exposes the darkness. We see things differently when someone else is in the room, when there is a different person. We are called to be light. If we're following Jesus, we're called to live out his ways, and in doing so, it brings light into the darkness and exposes the darkness by being different from it. For years and years and years, the role of the church has been try to be as similar to the culture as possible. We use words like relevant. It's good to be relevant. It's good to meet people where they are. We certainly want to do those things. However, We are coming to a point in history where there there is a growing chasm. I don't know if you've looked around. There's a growing difference between the worldview and the lifestyle of those that would say, yes, I want to follow Jesus, and those that are saying, I want nothing to do with him. And our role is not to be as similar to the darkness as we can. Our role is to be light in a dark world and thereby expose darkness for what it is, simply by being it. Simply by being light. That's what we do. If light doesn't shout out, look at that darkness! It's so dark! Light just bees light. Light's not the, the, the ultimate call out culture. Light doesn't judge. Light bees light. And in doing so, it drives out darkness. Rob Bell actually said, said it really, really well. Uh, Many things, I don't agree with that he said, but one thing that he said uh, many years ago now is why blame the dark for being dark? Isn't it far more helpful to ask why the light isn't as bright as it should be? I love that approach. It's time for us to wake up. We're being shaken. Flip on the light and start to live this out and bring light into a dark world when we do that, we redeem the time. That's our, we do our part by pleasing the Lord, awakening and redeeming the time. Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17. And I'm gonna start moving here. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I what wonder what, what our lives would look like if we, if we just said, what is the best use of this time? Now, does that mean that we always have to be productive? That we always have to be doing something? Does that mean that, well, why would I sit around and read my Bible when I could actually get out there and make a difference? No, no. Sometimes the best use of your time, all the time, the best use of your time is going to be spending time with God. We don't don't do our part by neglecting our relationship with God. Remember, we fill up so that it comes out. But what is the best use of our time? What if every Tuesday night when I sat down to do my fantasy, uh, you know, pickups, I said, oh, is this the best use of my time? When I'm working on a trade, right? Is this the best use of my time? What would the best use of the time, why? Because the days are short. We don't have forever. We're very aware of that in 2020. Life can't be taken for granted. Nothing that we have, no, no day, no person, no gathering. There's nothing that can be taken for granted. The time sometimes can be short. You make the best use of it. We redeem the time. Some of us are sleepwalking, but we wake up and walk in his ways. God has created us and designed us for good works, what? So that we would walk in them. I wanted to share a story with you about a friend who is doing just that. Instead of just staying asleep uh, over the last several months, Abel, some of you might know him, has been redeeming the time, making the best use of his time by volunteering some of his at a local food pantry. I want to share his story with you right now. Hey
0: you guys, my name is Katie Miller and I am the program coordinator with Liberty Church Liberty Family Outreach. We've been running this Forgotten Harvest mobile pantry for nine years and we are partnering with AWP. So I want to introduce you to some really awesome guys real quick and uh, actually, why don't you guys just introduce yourself. I'm Tyler,
2: I'm the outreach pastor over at Woodside Bible Church here in Warren. My name's Dave, I'm the pastor at Paradox Church in Warren. We're working with this awesome guy, Abel, uh, who runs this deal for us at Paradox. And we're so excited about what's going on in Warren. This is the church coming together to be the church in Warren by providing it and meeting a very, very real, practical need, as you can see behind us. Somebody wanna tell us what, what does this look like on a regular basis? This isn't regular. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: um, on a regular basis in a non-pandemic time you're looking at about 300 to 350 families and I know you're thinking well that's a lot I did too it's not <laughs> that's not a lot anymore um, we're looking at probably right now currently between 800 to a thousand families um, that's families. So you're talking thousands of people, thousands of them, on a regular week. But Forgotten Harvest is a food rescue agency, um, and one of the best-run nonprofits in the, and largest, I think, in the nation. I believe. I, think, I know I'm not speaking out a turn. So they rescue food that is at date or beyond it, but it's still good food. It would have normally ended up in a landfill It no longer does because they get it um, from where it would have been thrown away and they take it and they repurpose it and put it in the hands of people that need it the most. So this is enough food to hopefully make some meals for a family for at least a week to a week and a half, depending on how many people are in your home. But this is an opportunity to not just meet the tangible needs, this is, a, is a, an opportunity to, to really build relationships with the community, with each other,
2: and, and to share the love of God. I really like the fact that this partnership is now not just us, us yeah. as one church, us as one location, it is the entire community, all the Warren churches coming together to serve Warren and Metro Detroit. Uh, and yeah. we are going to try to reach out to beyond the, all the other... Um, food drive is closed down. God and is taking on the brunt of everyone who is in need in Metro Detroit. And that's why I'm so happy that all of us uh, as a church community are coming together to volunteer and serve. Absolutely. The collaboration with this, you often don't see in community. So I'm so excited to have multiple churches come together and serve and the way we are. And I thank God for the work that Katie has already done for this. So, definitely. Down. Definitely.
0: You guys, you're meeting people at the most desperate moment in life. And it's a very very uncomfortable moment for people. And what an opportunity to call somebody and let them know, hey, you know what, we care about you, and we love you. And if the opportunity rises, that you can pray with them and let them know that there's a God that loves them and cares about them in these big and small moments, then you have that opportunity to change His life beyond. So the food is temporal, but what you can give them is so eternal. I'm so excited that this is yeah. not just one spot. This is this is a whole community.
2: So if you would like to be involved, we would love to have you be involved. First of all. If you are in need of food or know of someone who needs food, we are here every Monday morning from 9 a.m. Volunteers show up a little bit earlier than that. 9 a.m. until noon. You can come by, grab some food. No questions asked. All right, we'd love to serve you in that way. Right. We're gonna ask your name and things like No judgment, no judgment, no, no judgment. judgment. All right, but if you would like to volunteer, maybe you've got kids at home and you wanna teach them a little bit of community service, bring the kids out, they're welcome. Maybe you're looking for a service project with your group. Um, company or, or, corporation. Yeah, absolutely, company or corporation. Come on out, again, show up a little bit before nine, eight, 30 uh, and we've got so many opportunities for you to be involved. You can click on the link that is below this video, to get involved and sign up to serve. We're, look, we're looking forward to seeing you
1: Yeah. Very, very thankful for, uh, for Katie and Tyler and Abel uh, and their leadership in this area, the partnership. All throughout Scripture, you see Paul writes letters to the church in Ephesus, we call, it, we call it Ephesians, in different places. And this is an example of the church in Warren working together to bring justice in Warren, to make an actual, tangible, practical difference. Again, I, it was a little bit hard to see uh, or hear masks. Uh, man, we're going to have a party when we could take those things off. Uh, but if you are someone or if you know someone who is in need of food, the church in Warren wants to help. Every Monday morning, 9 a.m., show up. There is food for you. No one has to go hungry because the church is involved. We're working for justice. If you want to volunteer, again, you got kids or, or you just want to get out of the house, do something with your small group, come on out. Monday mornings. We would love to see you one time, a few times, every once a month or something like that, whatever you can do is an awesome experience for everyone that is involved. Just quickly in our last few moments, I started uh, doing a, a newsletter that I want to continue, which is just a little bit more practical stuff, examples uh, throughout the week. So if you did not receive that newsletter this past week, um, well, you may not be on our distribution list. You can get it by filling out a connect card, and I'm gonna include some of these practical things in there this upcoming week. But just just to give you a taste of it, how do we pursue justice? What does that look like? Well, we gear up. Uh, And gear stands for generosity, equality, advocacy, responsibility. Generosity, yeah, it starts there. We have that giving tree out there. Every organization, every issue, it really does require some sort of funding. Whether that comes from the church or people, the government, We it's very difficult to make a difference without the funding to do so. This is why God gives us our finances so that we can steward them. Steward means make good use of, redeem them for his purposes here on earth. The giving tree is a great way to do that. Often what God gives to you He wants to give through you to someone else, to something else bigger. So we're generous. We pursue equality. Equality is, listen, a lot of times we talk about justice and we just mean something bad that happened. Bad things do happen. And we can be sad about bad things. We can mourn them. But that doesn't mean that there was an injustice that happened. Justice has to do with equality. Is there equality? Is there equal opportunity? And where there is inequality, God is at work. God wants to address that. Remember, because God is a God of, of justice. So we, as his partners, want to look for the areas of inequality to work to address those things. Advocacy. One of the ways we do that is by adding our voice. That is what advocacy is. We add our vocal. Add our voice in support. That's what. If, if you want to know more about advocacy, I spoke on that in May uh, during a series called "Outside the Box." I believe you could check that out. But we stand up for things. We give our voice to. And then responsibility. Last week we talked about taking responsibility for things that are not ours. We lay down our rights. Some of us would say, "Oh man, well there's injustice there, but I didn't. I didn't personally do that. I didn't contribute to that." What does that have to do with me? I worked for everything I have. I'm sure that you did. There's truth to that. But part of following Jesus is when we gear up, we lay down our rights, and we take responsibility for things and people that are not our responsibility because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. I I don't know if you've ever really thought about this, but your sin isn't really God's problem not but god in love owns our sin in jesus and in doing so brings justice and wholeness and healing and restoration to our relationship with him and through that to the world it doesn't happen though if we're not willing to take responsibility for things that aren't ours It's what God did, and we are called to be imitators of him. But finally, the T of this is to take up the whole armor. After we gear up, we take up the whole armor. When we gear up, those are just the basics. That's like putting on your clothes for the morning. But if you're going into battle, you're going to need something else. And that is when we take up the whole armor of God. It's called prayer. Your prayer life are the things that you think are worth fighting for. I don't know if you've ever really thought about that. What you pray for are the things that you believe are worth fighting for, that you're willing to go into battle over. I would encourage us all to take a look at our prayer life. If I had a transcript of your prayers, if you saw a transcript of mine over the last month, what do do I really care about? What are you? What are you willing to fight for? What are you willing to go into battle over? Very convicting thought. Prayer is God's battle plan for justice. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 13, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The problem isn't each other. The problem isn't the people out there. The problem's not the system. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's why we take up the armor of God. This is how we actually fight our battles. You cannot fight a spiritual war with physical tools. We have to pray. This is where it starts. This is how we fight. Here's God's battle plan for justice. I don't know about you, but in 2020, I've come to realize that there is not a lot I can do about a lot of things. I have very little control. I can't control the way you think, the way you see, the way that you feel. People are going to be upset with me. They're going to leave. People are going to do what they want. They're going to live the way that they they want to live. And it can be heartbreaking to us, but we can't control it. I can't control you. The only thing I control control is me and then I can pray. That's it. That's all I can do. Why pray? How is prayer God's battle plan for justice? Prayer accomplishes what we can't. I just said, ultimately, there's not a whole lot we can do for a lot of things. But when we pray, we tap into the one who can do it all, who is over all, who is able to accomplish far more than anything we can ask or imagine. It accomplishes what we can't. Prayer isn't just something, oh, prayer, positive vibes, good thoughts. No, prayer accomplishes something. It's how we fight. When you pray, you'll actually be more aware of the things that are going on in the world, of the things that are going on in people's lives that you care about, that you want to fight for. You want to know one of the ways that I've come to know what to pray for with people? I ask them, how can I pray for you? You know what's sad? If if you've ever said this to me, please, no judgment. Uh, This is an invitation to say it, though, an invitation to ask. What makes me sad is how often I say, how can I be praying for you? And someone responds with, I'm all good. Really? I'm not. I'm not all good. I need prayer. I want prayer. That's why every single time we, just being honest, we offer it every Sunday. Occasionally, a few people take us up on it. I want to be the first person. to get, I, I want prayer. I want somebody fighting my battles with me. I want to invite God into this. I want to see breakthrough. I want, I want to win this, these battles because I'm in them. I feel it. You end up caring more for, the, for people that you're praying for. You end up caring more for the organizations that you're praying for because they're on your heart all the time. You want to care more about what God is doing in the nations of the world? Pray for them. You want to care more about your marriage and your spouse? Pray for them. Pray with them. You want to care about this church, the people in your neighborhood, the injustice that you say that you claim, that that, that you care about? Pray for it. You will care more, not less. And finally, you are actually moved to right action. Prayer is not a stopping point. It's a starting point. When we go to God in prayer, oftentimes it's not just what we say. It's what he says. He says, I want you to reach out. Listen. I want you to go and do this. Today, today, Hand $5 to somebody, you know? You get your marching orders. This is the huddle when you pray. You're moved to right action. That is why prayer actually accomplishes something. You know what to do. But prayer is putting on the armor. With that said, let's do it. Father God, I pray that you would give us hearts that reflect yours. Hearts after justice, God. Would you break our hearts with the things that break yours, God? And would we put on the full armor as we fight a spiritual spiritual battle, God? And I pray against the division that our enemy wants to create. Father, would be we be healers, restorers, pursuers, justice bringers. Would we be indivisible, just like you? Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us, or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.